leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. It's Renee Small, and we are back again with you for our Breaking into Cybersecurity uh, webinar series. I am here with Chris Folan, my brother from another mother and awesome co-host. And I'm here with Whitney Phillips, and we apologize for the technical difficulties. As usual, something always happens right before a webinar. <laughs> so we are going to jump right in, since I know a lot of you have been waiting for the, for the past like five or six minutes. And what I wanted to do is just jump right in and talk to Whitney and hear a little bit about your background. I think you came referred from um, Chris Roberts. At yes. The yes, awesome. So definitely want to hear about you. What made you excited and interested in security? And tell us about how you broke into the field. Cool. So a um, little bit about my background. I started as a health desk specialist at a small credit union. Um, from there, I kind of learned that basic IT skills um, and not only basic IT skills, I also learned some like basic corporate skills that you might not learn working um, like a, in a sandwich shop or anything. So it was a really good first introductory job. From there, I moved to a network admin position. This one was kind of a jack of all trades. So I do anything from like desktop support um, to account administration. And then I started also picking up that um, those little small security type focused roles there too. So I would pick up like proxy work or learn how to work on a proxy or learn antivirus from there, but I didn't have an actual title at that point. What about um, cybersecurity made you want to be interested in becoming part of the community or going down that path? So when I, actually when I started doing cybersecurity, um, it was, I don't want to downplay it, but it was a choice for my bachelor's so I could go into cybersecurity as my bachelor's. So I picked that. Um, and then when, once I started getting into the classes and I think the ethical hacking class was one that was like, wow, this stuff's really cool. That started getting me into security more or liking it more. But it wasn't really until I went to my first security conference in Grand Rapids, GERCON. It was really when I was like, okay, this is this is the place to be. This is the job I should be in. Because once you go to a security conference, you get that connection and that um, kind of like family vibe, especially the one in Grand Rapids, GERCON. It's smaller. It's big, but small. And um, you're not alone there. You make so many new friends and connections, so. That is pretty awesome. Um, I heard about Burkhan 
and I have to make sure I get there at some point. Mm-hmm. So tell me, we tep- we typically do a lot of talking to, to folks. Both Chris and I have mentored and coached and talked to a lot of people trying to break into the industry. And we always talk about the conferences. So tell us, dig in a little bit more, like tell us what it was about the conference. I know you talked about the camaraderie, the family-like feel, you know, what did you learn and what, what would you tell people to do? You know, would you encourage more people, more people who want to break into the field to go to conferences like this? Yeah. So uh, my first conference that I when I went at, when I went to at Gurkhan, I was a help desk specialist. So um, no security title at all. Um, went in there by myself. Um, didn't have any like extra people come with me. But um, if you go to the conferences, you've got all these different varieties of security. So you maybe you'll watch somebody hack into a phone or uh, maybe it's just a theory-based talk on how do we get more users to respond better to um, social engineering attempts. So it, there's a lot of different fields and you can kind of get that feel for um, yeah, well, this is cool. I want to. I think I want to try going into this part of security, or I like this more risk-based part of security because you'll have different talks to go to, and you can get that um, glimpse into what uh, the different fields of security are. Plus, you've got all the vendor areas um, where you can see who your next employer might be. Um, that's where I stocked out all the different vendor areas. I'm like, okay, I can apply here. I'll see what they're hiring, um, get on their job boards and see what their job descriptions are like, what they're looking for. Um, and I think, yeah, going to conferences is definitely important. There's other conferences like Gurkhan, but there's B-Sides as well. Oh, yes. um, and then is that where you met one of your mentors, uh, Chris Roberts? Um, I actually, I met him at Gurkhan. Um, he did a talk for, um, it's, it's my first talk I saw with him was by train or by air, by land, by sea. And it was hacking all the different uh, types of vehicles, whether it be a plane or a boat or a car. So, um, but I have been to Beside Chicago. That's a really good one to go to. Um, that's also that smaller atmosphere where um, you might be sitting right next to a speaker and you don't know it and you can network really well there. That's pretty awesome. Um, so I'll go down the list. In terms of going going to school, so you're, you're the help desk analyst, you're growing in your career. Tell us about the education that you received. What did you do like in parallel? It seems like you were always working, so. Right, so um, prior to getting my help desk position, I had just finished my associates in um, computer networking. Mm -hmm. So that was more of your like router switches, Linux security, uh, Windows security. And then um, I got my help desk position and I moved into a bachelor's of information security. So that's more of like securing Windows platforms, securing Linux, ethical hacking. And there was a, I think there was even like a risk um, class report writing as you definitely need that when you're in security. Mm -hmm. Um, But I finished 
my bachelor's while I was doing my network admin position. And then from there, um, once I got my bachelor's done, I moved on to getting my security plus, and that was all self-study. So I got a book, um, got online, got, got the CompTIA security plus book. I went through, studied, did the test questions over and over again until I was ready to take that test. So I feel like that, um, that cert, I know people sometimes downplay it, but I feel like once I had that cert, it was kind of like the check mark on the HR where they say, okay, she's got a cert and we're ready to look at, give her another look for a job. Wow. Yeah, I think in, in addition to the check mark for HR that I know Renee tends to see a lot of, um, being a hiring manager, I see it as, okay, they've taken the time, the dedication to at least get a certain level of knowledge um, and then to go from there. Were there any other areas that you would recommend for continuous education or continuous learning that you've come across that you you might find helpful to those uh, trying to break into cybersecurity? Yeah, so um, I had just started working in application security. So I used to be security operations and that's completely two different fields. I use um, Cybrary as one of my um, cheaper, easier, like um, study choices. I've got good information or good um, testing material and different things. Um, and what was the other one? I'll come back to it. I have a I can't think of it offhand. I've just got a couple online ones. Udemy. Udemy is another one that I use that also has um, a lot of just different small courses, large courses to take. Um, they've got labs you can build in it. So um, it could definitely just kind of pick and choose. Like, let's say I want to go, um, let me try the hacking part of it. See if I like that. Or secure web development. See if I like that. It's your way of seeing what part of security like you'd actually want to be in. Right. Now to piggyback off what Chris talked about too with the um, education, the combination, like what I love about your background is that you had help desk experience, you had the associates, you went back, you got your bachelor's, so you're still continuously growing while you're getting the on the job training. And then again with the check mark for HR's purposes sometimes, or, or the, the organization's purposes. Because um, I tell people all the time, HR, a lot of times doesn't make the rules, still <laughs> like, a messenger. Um, but having that additional, you know, you have the bachelor's, now you have the security plus, and you have the experience, like that, that three-pronged approach is definitely what is going to put folks um, ahead of the curve when it comes to trying to break into the industry. So that's fantastic. A question came in and I, I think we actually kind of answered it and it was around, you know, how a newbie should start learning cybersecurity online. Please suggest me some material for learning things in advance. So just like you said, you talked about Cybrary, you talked about Udemy. There's, there's definitely online opportunities to be able to, um, you know, 
play around before you invest in a degree, but go ahead. Right, and then those are, like I said, those are, like the library is almost free, I think with a donation and then the Udemy, if you catch them on their sales or whatever, it's 12 bucks. And that way you can, you know, instead of investing a whole year's worth of school, you can at least see if that's what you, do I want to go into this? Or you can dabble in the different areas of security. How, how do you keep current in this ever-evolving industry? Um, what are some tips and tricks that you might have for someone trying to come in? So um, I, what I do is I'm picking up new courses to kind of study. Um, I go to conferences. I also utilize LinkedIn, Twitter, um, and sometimes Facebook because I, uh, I have the hacker news on my Facebook. But that way, like, you know, Twitter, as soon as something happens um, security-wise, if you have a bunch of people that are involved in security on your Twitter feed, you'll find out and, like, that's where I get a lot of um, my sources of just new and up and coming threats um, in the security field. Definitely look Twitter. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that a ton. I was I was uh, I've heard over and over again how Twitter is one of the first places that people find out about a lot of things related to security. So that's a good tip. Yeah, I started, I created my first account while sitting in a talk at Gurkhan for my first uh, Twitter account. So, and then from there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow this person. I'm going to follow this person. And then from there, they've got different people to follow. And I think I've got a Twitter follower over in Scotland that does OWASP. He runs OWASP Scotland. And like, I bounced the ideas off of him for a conference talk. So it's just that networking too. Yeah, I think that's key. I, I, I really, um, people I don't think understand the power of online, of social media networking and how many connections can be made. I mean, talking to Chris, I say it every week. So, you know, I met Chris on LinkedIn, this Chris, Chris F, Chris Fola, <laughs> on LinkedIn, Chris Roberts on LinkedIn. Like all of these, these folks that I can now text and you know reach out to i connected with everyone initially on linkedin just communicating making comments you know providing my perspective understanding what's going on and i think that people tend to um not realize the power right. of having twitter you know being in twitter being in um uh, there's a 21,000 member facebook group that um, two has all cybersecurity, infosec101.net. You know, there's so many places and then connecting with so many people in the field to be able to help break in. Which uh, now that you had said Facebook, um, I'm also a part of, or connected to a Facebook group for uh, cybersecurity jobs. So they're constantly posting um, yeah. just different jobs that they find out there or you'll have uh, new and up-and-coming people will um, ask for help or what, you know, what would you be looking for in this position? So, right. Yeah. 
another good tip um, for keeping up our RSS feeds. So um, you create, you use something like Feedly or any of your RSS um, browsers, and then you can go to all your favorite uh, cybersecurity news sites, subscribe to our RSS feeds, and then as soon as something comes in, it gets posted to your RSS feed. So now you have access to, um, in my case, I, I subscribe to over 300 different sites. So I have all those feeds coming in that I could just search through okay. and uh, keep up to date as well. So that and social media, definitely big, big tips for keeping up to date. Good. So tell us what it's like. You know, you said you went from, you went from the operation side, now you're in application security. Talk to us about what it's like being a professional in your your day to day activities, what you're doing, you know, things that you can tell us that obviously aren't confidential. <laughs> yeah. So right now in my application security role, I am doing kind of a bunch of things. So primarily, when I first started, we were doing um, dynamic code scanning. So it's kind of like a light pen test and. Um, we had to do this on like a thousand applications in the beginning of the year. And then we switched our focus on to uh, static code scanning. So we're, we're helping the developers upload their code. They're scanning it with the tool and then um, they remediate any vulnerabilities that they find. Um, and then come to us for the false positive review. So that's something um, I'm heavily involved with. So if the developers kind of have any discrepancies in the code um, and the vulnerabilities that are found, we'll go through a false positive review um, and see what, what might be the issue. I also am involved with a open source scanning project. So I learned very quickly that you can have code or um, that the developers do develop with open source and we wanna know if that open source is vulnerable because we may not be able to fix it, but we still want to keep track of we've got a vulnerable open source code in our web applications. But it sounds like you're in a DevOps style environment. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you like the, the transition to that DevOps style environment from how security might have traditionally been in the past? It's different. It's very, um, I like it. It's, uh, a new challenge every day. So uh, when I was in security operations, it was um, what virus is on this machine and um, did we get those certificates to that website or did I get encryption on this machine properly? Um, whereas now it's um, just the different false positive reviews. Um, but then on top of it, we're doing open source reviews and we use this open source in our company, working with the legal team as well. So I like it, it's completely different. So it's a nice change of pace. But I go back to security operations, I might, but it's kind of nice to have all these different layers, um, different layers to learn. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that, you know, the experience that you're getting right now is amazing and having both, you know, seeing the other side or seeing another side mm -hmm. of security is great, especially this early on um, in your career. But someone asked, and I, I'm curious about this too, how long were you in the SOC before going to AppSec 
and tell me in total, like, because I think you've been in AppSec for 10 months or so, 11 months? Yeah, uh, my year will be in a month, so. Okay. I was in the, the Security Operations Center for, or for a year and a half, and then um, the company that I was with went through a big reduction in force, so they let go about 200 um, wow. IT people. So then I was unemployed all through last summer, and that's when I had found this application security position. I'm like, I think I went through maybe about 30 interviews, not with this company, just various different companies. And I was so like smooth and cool about the interview that they loved me so much about like my different experiences, like my project ma managing projects experience. So I, they hired me on my interview interviewing techniques and then just the various backgrounds of security that I have. If you ha if you had one piece of advice um, to give someone about both your transition, maybe even your search after you were let go, um, what advice would you give someone um, currently in that stage of their career? Yeah, so one piece of advice is it's don't get down on yourself um, if you don't get a bite right away. So I pro I went through the first, I went from June to November not having a job and interviewing. I actually turned down one job because I just didn't feel that it was right for me. So and that was the hardest thing I think I'd ever could do is turning down a job when you're unemployed. So, but if it wasn't going to be a good fit, then it, you know, so don't get down on yourself. Um, it will come and practice that um, that interviewing skill. So I literally sat down and wrote out different star um, star techniques. So the situation, forget what task. Um, yeah, situation, task, action, results, and I would write out different scenarios on how. Um, how I fit, like this is the the situation I did at this job, um, and then wrote out the task and action results after that, just so I had that memorized in my brain, so I was more prepared for interviews after that. I love it. I mean, you touched on everything that I tell people, especially around you know a couple things that you, a couple points that you made that were fantastic. One is around keeping um keeping yourself motivated and not being down on yourself because it is it can get demotivating after a while you know going over and over and over to different interviews and not being able to get a job but the flip side of that is that you get much more comfortable and you get more in tune with how to be able to explain yourself during interviews right but sometimes i tell people just go on interviews just to shake off the wiggles like you know just so you're not you know you're not nervous every time you go for the interview that you really want go interview at places you might not necessarily want um because it's a good practice and, and what you sat down with the star technique and you know really thought about your role and what you've done in the past and been able to really effectively communicate that so that when you did, like you said, you showed up and you were as cool as a cucumber. And that's because you had done it 30 times. And then on top of that, you said you went, you know, you had 30 interviews. And I think it was Charles that talks about how he applied to like 200 jobs. 
So, you know, letting people, making people aware that it's not as simple as you think, you know, you go out there, if you get shut down one, two, 10 times, don't feel, don't give up. You know, it's right. like you want. So I think that's a, such a great point. Um, Chris, I know you want to add something. Yeah, I was going to say, I was curious, um, have you considered or did you do um, informational interviews? So um, individuals at companies that you might have worked at doing a role that you might have want to, want to do, uh, reach out to them, ask them about their role, their day-to-day -day activities, um, how they like their roles, um, to kind of have that back and forth as well without the pressure of a, a true interview. Um, I'm sure I... Yeah, um, I did that like with the recruiters, but um, the funny thing about how I got my Whirlpool job was I did some networking and some of the people that I knew in my current job knew the, the layout of the managers. So I found the manager on LinkedIn and after I had applied for the job, I found him on LinkedIn, sent him a quick message saying, Hey, I just applied for this position. I um, heard you're the manager. These are my qualifications. I look forward to talking to you. And he actually responded back that same day and said, okay, I'll talk to HR. And then um, that's when I got the, the interview. So, and then found out that it was the star interview questions from them. So I went through and um, prepped as much as I could and nailed the job interview and got a job and put pressure on the recruiter afterwards. Like I sent the follow-up email like, Hey, um, thank you for your time. I'm still very interested. A week later, I'm still interested. What's the, what do we got going on here? So that's not me in a sidetrack, but, but <laughs> no, that's perfect. It's exactly what we tell people to do. Like, I'm so happy for you to be able to say it and share kind of what you're doing because we talk about it all the time. People say, oh, I applied, I apply, I apply. And it's a multi-pronged approach. You know, you were networking, you were out going to conferences, you were interacting with people through social media and you were applying and you were doing follow-up and you were reaching out to the leaders who can actually make the decision. So a lot of times people say recruiters, 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 it's like, Yes, and, and I'm kind of in that middle space because I am a recruiter, but go directly to the leader because at the end of the day, they are the decision maker. They're the ones going to put you in the spot. And if you apply and do exactly what you did, reached out to that leader, then the leader is going to ping the person in HR and say, hey, recruiter, can you make sure Whitney gets an interview? Can you make yeah. sure, you know, like that's the way it works. So. Tailored my resume to each job too that I was applying for. So I would put in, if I had that, I would make sure that that, so if I had Splunk experience and I was looking for Splunk, I was making sure that I had Splunk in there as many times. So it would flag on, you know, or bring me positive or show up in the results for the recruiter to see, like, oh, okay, um, this is what she's done in this area because they're not. If they're looking for somebody who's working with Splunk, um, maybe they don't care about my disk forensics that much. So I'll put that lower on the thing and I'll move up all my experience with that. So your resume is also a constantly changing document. 
from a, a cybersecurity perspective, I'll touch on a couple topics that you did without knowing. Social engineering, um, open source <laughs> intelligence gathering. Um, you're, mani you're manipulating the system by giving them exactly what you're looking for. So you're doing all these things. And as, as someone in security, you're like, yep, I know how the system works. I know how to, make, to game it. And that's exactly what people in security um, should get used to doing because the, the, the attackers are going to think like that. So if you can think like them and then you could do the opposite of what they're going to do, that, that's an amazing head start down that road. Yeah. Thank you. Exactly. Well, folks, I know it is 1234, so we're a couple minutes over time because we started a couple minutes late. So I want to be cognizant of everyone's time here. And I want to thank you both. Whitney, thank you so much for providing such an interesting um, view on how you were able to break into the industry. And I know this will help so many people. And I think it would even drill home that what, what I say all the time, what Chris says all the time, you know, that you actually said it, you did it, it worked. Now you're in this amazing job and you're doing some fascinating things. So thank you. Thanks again yeah. for for having us interview you and my buddy Chris over here. Thank you for being an awesome co-host. And so we will see you all next week. I think we have Spencer Brown next week. I think so too. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing him. Looking forward to seeing Spencer. And then um, I have all my, you know, Whitney talks about having a resume, right? Have your LinkedIn profile set up. I have that boot camp that's upcoming. So if anybody's interested in that, definitely touch base with me. Uh, Whitney, did you want to say one last thing? Yeah, if anybody wants to reach out to me for any extra questions, um, you can hit me up on the link on LinkedIn or um, that would be the first point. And then we can, I can help you connect with people on Twitter too. So um, definitely willing to help them. So. Awesome. Yes, we have tons of people willing to give back. I will put Whitney's link in the chat. And then we will uh, see you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.